My brothers and sisters in the Lord, I always have a great time reading things written by children, especially their letters. And one of the things I enjoy is oftentimes they will write letters to God. And one letter written by a little girl by the name of Wendy, age seven, was only one sentence, a very profound sentence, or really a profound question. She wrote, Dear God, did you know Christmas would turn out this way when you first started it? Did you know that Christmas would turn out this way when you first started it? And my brothers and sisters, that is a very profound question. Did God know about the crowded malls and the honking horns? About the trees and the tinsel and the lights that always seem to be tangled in a bunch? Did God know about Dirty Santa and White Elephant? Did God know about Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, and all the other litany of things? But you see, my brothers and sisters, the truth of the matter is, is that God did know, and yet he still sent the Savior because he knew we were in need of a Savior to redeem us to make us whole. You see, my friends, as we gather in this church on this great solemnity of the nativity of the Lord, we give thanks to God that the Word has become flesh and made His dwelling amongst us. Why? Because God so loved the world that He sent His only Son so that we may not perish, so that we may have eternal life. A light shines in the darkness, and the darkness shall not overcome it. Despite the materialism of modern times, despite consumerism, despite the forces of our culture that try to drive Christ out of Christmas, despite the other forces that try to, to force the Holy Mass out of Christmas, we gather and we give thanks to God for the gift of the Savior. Because everything has been changed and been made new. And on this morn, my brothers and sisters, we heard the account from St. Luke's Gospel, the Christmas story. But you see, my brothers and sisters, it's more than just a story that happened 2,000 years ago. It is the living Word of God. And as the living Word of God, it is still active and proclaimed in our lives this day. Because if we open our hearts to God's Word, we too will be made new. The Savior will be reborn once again in our own lives. We're not just recounting something that happened 2,000 years ago. We're not just reading from a history book. We are being renewed by the birth of the Savior. And so this morning, my friends, I just want to look very briefly with you on three elements that we find in this beautiful gospel account from St. Luke. The first, my brothers and sisters, is the Holy Family our Blessed Mother, and St. Joseph. Two of their most profound qualities, my brothers and sisters, is their virtue of humility and their openness and submissiveness to the will of God in their lives. We see it first beginning at the Annunciation when the angel Gabriel appeared to our Blessed Mother and said, you will bear a son. Do not be afraid, Mary. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. 
And what was Mary's response? I am the handmaid, the servant of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to thy word. An openness and a willingness to the will of God. We look at St. Joseph, and certainly we could say that St. Joseph had his own annunciation, a second annunciation. Because Joseph was going to divorce Mary quietly and sort of just put her off to the side. When in a dream, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary into your home. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Our blessed mother and St. Joseph, my friends, in their great humility, were open to God's will. They were open to say yes, and they trusted and that made all the difference in the world. Because when you and I, my brothers and sisters, are open to the will of God in our life, when we say yes and give our fiat to God, then you see, my brothers and sisters, miracles happen. Miracles happen in our life each and every day when we have that openness and receptivity to God. And we're also being able to allow God to use us as an instrument of His grace to work miracles in the lives of others. Not long ago, I was on a plane, and as I was traveling, I was sitting next to a little girl, and the plane was filled, and you know, it was one of those things where they began to move people around and offer you money if you wanted to stay behind, and I just wanted to get home. And so, as they were doing this, they asked me, would you like to be bumped up to first class? Well, I'm not going to say no. So I got bumped up the first class, and next to me was a little girl, all by herself, no more than eight, nine years old. And so the plane takes off, and we end up being in very, very bad weather. And you can see the people on the plane. Their faces were kind of white. You could see the kind of fears the plane was going like this. Here I am with my rosary, I'm praying my rosary, and as the plane kind of starts going like this, I'm really grabbing those beads so there's an indentation into my fingers. And there was that little girl just reading her book, not making a sign, not crying, not saying a word. I looked over to her and said, I said, are you okay? Oh, yes, Father, I'm fine. And after a while, I said, do you need anything? Are you frightened by the storm? And she said, oh, no, Father, my daddy is the pilot. <laughs> she trusted because her father was the pilot. The same is true, my friends, when we're open to God's will in our own life. Our blessed mother and St. Joseph. The second image, my brothers and sisters, I want to offer you this morning is that of the innkeeper. The innkeeper. Now, we notice in St. Luke's Gospel that he's not given a name. And if you look at all the Gospels, there's no name for the innkeeper. There's no recorded name in any of the chronicles, in any of the other history books from the time. But his name is not important. The name of the hotel is not important either. It's not recorded. Was it the Bethlehem Motel? Was it the Holiday Inn? Was it the convention center on the road to Nazareth? We don't know. But what was important is that verse in Scripture, as Archbishop Fulton Sheen notes, one of the saddest verses in all of Scripture. And there was no room for them in the inn. Now think about it, my friends. Here is a woman and her husband. She's nine months pregnant. She's ready to give birth. 
Do you mean that innkeeper could not find one little corner in that inn for them? But there was no room because the prophecy certainly had to be fulfilled. But you see, my brothers and sisters, the image of the innkeeper is our image on this Christmas day because each of us, we're the innkeeper and our heart is the inn. And we have to decide today and each and every day of our lives, are we going to open our heart to the Lord Jesus? Are we going to open the inn? Or when Jesus comes to us, when he knocks on the door of our heart, do we say the same thing, there is no room in the inn? Because I want to do my thing, my way, and my time, and there's no time for the Lord Jesus. But you see, my friends, when we open ourselves to the power and presence of God, When we open the doors of our heart to him, transformation occurs. The grace of the sacraments are received. Sins are forgiven, and we are made whole, and we are made new. It's like that old spiritual. Somebody's knocking at your door. Somebody's knocking at your door. Oh, sinner, why don't you answer? Somebody is knocking at your door. Jesus is knocking at the door of our hearts, my friends, and we are the innkeeper, and we have to decide, are we going to make room for the Lord Jesus so that the word may become flesh in us again today and all the days of our life? And finally, my brothers and sisters, the last image is that of the shepherds. Now, sometimes we kind of think that, oh, the shepherds, how nice and how sweet. But being a shepherd, my friend, was not a great job or occupation. I mean, we look at the crush scene and we see those little white furry animals over there and we say, oh, look how cute. Well, about a year ago, I went to the zoo. They don't call it the petting zoo anymore. They have some fancy name. But I went into the petting zoo. Now, I used to love the petting zoo as a kid. But I'm going to tell you, when I went there as an adult, those those sheep stink. They just stink. And I didn't want to get anywhere near them. I didn't want to pet them. I don't want to be around. To be a shepherd, my friends, especially in the time that we're speaking about, was a very lowly occupation. In fact, for the Judean people, a shepherd was automatically considered a thief. One reason was because they were nomadic. They roamed around with their sheep. They couldn't testify in a Jewish court. And also, when we talk about the shepherds, They were considered to be unclean because because they were nomadic. They couldn't participate in the temple ceremonies and the ritual laws. And so shepherds were given the category of sinners by the Pharisees, the priests, and the scribes. And we hear about all sorts of sinners in the gospel who fall into that category. Prostitutes, tax collectors, Gentiles, shepherds, they were all sinners. They were all excluded from society, pushed aside. We don't want anything to do with them. But if we look at the gospel in totality, my friends, where does Jesus spend much of his time? It's with the sinners. St. Matthew was a tax collector who became a follower and apostle of Jesus. Look at the Roman centurion. He was a Gentile. And Jesus says to him, I have seen no greater faith in all of Israel than this man. 
And that's important, my friends, because who was the first to receive the good news of great joy? Who was the first to receive the announcement of the coming of the Savior? It was the shepherds, the lowliest, the outcasts. And that's good news of great joy, my brothers and sisters, for each and every one of us because sometimes in life and many times in life, we feel like the outcasts. We feel the lowliest. Many times in life, because of our trials or tribulations or our burdens or whatever the cross we have to carry, we feel that we're at our lowest. And it's at those times that the good news of great joy is proclaimed to each and every one of us to strengthen us, to renew us. Emmanuel, God is with us. God is not distant, my brothers and sisters. The Word has become flesh. He is present amongst us. And that is the good news of great joy that we have to shout out today and all the days of our life. That our God has come to save us. And so you see, my brothers and sisters, on this Christmas morn, on this entire Christmas day, and on every single day of our lives, we should shout out with joy and pageantry and acts of kindness and courage in the middle of the night, in the middle of the world's night, in the middle of our heart's night, in the middle of our hope's night, that against all the evidence that may surround us, God's love, God's light, God's peace, God's joy is being born amongst us. You are the innkeeper. There is a knock at the door. Will you answer?